Well, welcome to Faith Over Breakfast. This is Eric Seepin from the Village, and I'm sitting with Andy Littleton from Mission Church, and right. we do this Faith Over Breakfast podcast, which if you listen to us, you know, it's just us talking about whatever we want to talk about. But we spent a long time talking about marriage, as we promised. Yeah. Singleness is Singleness. in there, too. So if you're single and you're going like, this isn't for me, you're wrong. Hang in there. There's some stuff for you. There's some general just truths that apply to any relationship yeah, yeah. in here. Um, Eric will use the word masturbation. So yeah, uh, and now Andy has. brace yourself. We both said it. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know sensuality but does that mean don't let anybody listen no everybody listen yes don't be afraid it's yeah. okay and hey five star us share us with your friends thanks uh shout out to pike who uh shared us on his instagram story that was oh, awesome nice. appreciate that man and uh that kind of stuff gets us out there so yeah. thanks Faith-based people might. If they had to pick one, they're going to maybe pick you to be a little more conservative. But we would be very liberal on that. Yeah. On that radio. On that station. On that station, yes. It would be the progressives. I've never listened to it, so I wouldn't know. Oh, my goodness. Well, it's just, uh, you know, party line, conservative, Rush Limbaugh style. No. Yeah, right of Rush. Never, yeah, that's me, man. I have a hard time believing that. <laughs> <laughs> <But> okay. <laughs> well, um, this is Faith Over Breakfast. Are we on we're, live? Uh, yeah, we're on. Oh, we've good, good. On. So we've had some, yeah. some good good talk there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you did a good job. You're doing... I, I good. started it. Yeah. Uh, this is Faith Over Breakfast. We're at Exo Coffee on a... On a day when you don't want to be in the loft because it's warm up here. It is kind of warm. It's a little warm. You know, heat rises. But it's uh, it's going to be a hot one out there in Tucson, Arizona. It is. Well, if you're listening, it was a hot one. Mm-hmm. And probably still is while you're listening to this. It's also mm-hmm. kind of noisy down here. But I yeah. heard that you People need to shut their mouth. putting together a studio for it. Mm. That may be a thing. Maybe a thing. Yeah. Yeah, we've our listenership has grown so exponentially. It has. That um, yeah, we're just gonna open our own studio. Yeah, really grown. It's really, really. It's relatively huge. big in Tucson. Yeah. You know, in one, in two churches in Tucson. Yeah, two churches in Tucson. Pretty big. And in Japan. And Japan. It's big. Well, it's big in you know Phoenix. Got some Phoenix listeners. We like you. Yeah. I'll tell you what else is big. What? This breakfast sandwich. Yeah, it's a big breakfast sandwich. So EXO makes a killer breakfast sandwich, and I'm enjoying it. And uh, we've got, both got Cortados today. Yeah, we have this. I mean, if I got to drink a, a coffee drink, a Cortado is what I'm going to drink. Yeah. It's, here, here. It's so tasty. Can we get this clink in the yeah. microphone? Hey. Oh, there you go. Hey. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, no major fallout from last podcast. No? Was, no. There, was there supposed to be? Yeah, you know, I was hoping to be uh, on the board of Push Ridge, but that didn't work out. Hmm. Or was that your idea? I can't remember. It was your idea. Yeah, probably was. It was, I was tapping into something you Some were... deep desire in my heart. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was obvious. Yeah. 
And um, one of our but sometimes your goals get blocked. Yeah, right? they do. They get blocked. It happens in marriage too, which we're going to talk about. Oh yeah. But one of our listeners <laughs> recently commented to me because uh-huh. you know we have personal relationships with our listeners, which is how every podcast is, right? It should be. Yeah. Uh, that we were getting into some meaty stuff on a particular show, and then we spent ten minutes talking about food. Before we got to the next thing, and he was like, "Really? Do I have to listen to you guys talk about food for ten minutes before we get back to the, the meaty stuff?" Well, for his sake, let's jump in. Yeah, let's just jump in. Let's talk so, about something. Marriage. So, that, that's where we're going, right? We yeah. promised it two weeks ago. We promised, so we at least have to give it a few minutes. Give it a few, a few minutes. Yeah, it is loud here. It's can really you, loud. Can you? Lean over the edge and tell these people to shut up. Yeah, that would be really funny. <laughs> <laughs> the pastors are losing it. Yeah. It would be the end of this podcast at XO, I think. It'd be over. Yeah. I think if you did it, you might have a little bit more cash than me. You could probably get, you know, reprimanded and then one more chance. Wait. I have more cash? Here at the, well, cash, like relational cash. Mm. You know, you know the owner's more than like acquaintance like me. Right. And, uh... You have a cute daughter that that's here, and that helps. And kind of, you know, you don't want to hurt that relationship. So there might be some some yeah. leeway. That's true. Yeah. But anyway, no yelling. Cute, cute daughter definitely helps. Yeah. Okay. Goes so, without saying. So we're going to talk about marriage. Yeah. And, and I don't really remember why now because it's been so long. But it's a I good thing to talk about because. People get married all the time, and as pastors, the thing that we deal with often is it's marriage. Marriage. Well, you just did a wedding, so I think I commented on yeah. you did a wedding in shorts, which I liked. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm always there's always somebody getting married around our church these days. So we've got a young group, a lot of yeah. people getting married. A lot of people getting married. Somebody just of... got back from their honeymoon at our church. Nice. Other people, the marriage is coming up. Yep. Talk to a guy that is one of you know the early young guys I worked with in ministry, and he came to town to say hi slash to say, "Would you officiate my wedding?" Nice. Um, so yeah, so marriage is marriage is on the mind. Marriage is on the mind, and, and I think people get married with a lot of expectations about how it might be, and are quickly so tell them how it is disappointed. Yeah. Tell them how it is, Eric. Well, I don't know how it is. I mean, how it is is... There's, you know, in general... This long pause is encouraging. Yeah, yeah. There's a 50% divorce rate within the U.S., so... And the church, right? Well, that depends. So if you say that you are a follower of Jesus, and believe he died for you and rose from the dead, you attend church at least three times a month, um... Your divorce, the divorce mm. rate drops into like 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and if you add more and more, like you attend a Bible study or you're involved in, you know, leadership, then that even drops down to like 20%. Wow. So people say that the divorce problem within the church mm-hmm. is the same, but when you begin to kind of mine down into the details... Usually when they say among evangelicals or whatever, yes. it's like people who check that box on yes. the census. Yeah. yeah, it's not a... It's, which is it's hard for me because then our leaders, evangelical leaders, say, well, there's a crisis within the church and the divorce rate's the same. And I'm like, well, no. Now, what I heard, and this is to create a little controversy, this is the mm. most recent statistic I read. 
And you know how you, much I love statistics. Well, I know. I'm just listening to this right now, and I'm going, I've actually, I haven't read any statistics ever on anything. That's okay. I mean, if I weren't a pastor, I'd be a sociologist. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I wanted to do. Um, but my parents told me there's no money in it, so. <laughs> so you chose pastor? Well, at the that time, no I sense. chose being an engineer oh. and flunked out of Mm. of uh, calculus and that that kind of solved that problem so I decided to be a teacher and that didn't work but I kind of became a teacher so anyway the interesting statistic that I read most recently and I haven't actually read the study so it's not you know I'm not going to say this as hey this is uh, the way it is I've actually researched the other studies about Mm. in the church this one was people who are in uh Marriages where there is a report of equality in their decision-making processes mm-hmm. within the church report more satisfaction in the marriage than in, in more, you know, in marriages where there is a stronger patriarchy, maybe. Like, yeah, the husband is the final, kind of that sort of the what about theme. The, what about the matriarchy? Because I've had discussions with people recently where it's like... Yeah, well, I haven't... That, that's crazy. Yeah, the, I don't know. What's that on that? You've... Yeah, you don't... Yeah, no. Nobody, nobody in our circles would ever understand such a thing. Yeah, we wouldn't. But there is. I mean, there are societies that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I say that tongue in cheek. I yeah. think there's a lot more matriarchy in the states than than we. Um, yes. Than we think. Sure. Usually, probably. kind of veiled. Right. But but all of that to say, when you walk into marriage, relationships are complicated. Oh yeah. And then when you try to apply biblical principles to those that are all written in the first century you know and, and there are a lot of good universal truths there are ones within the Old Testament too so it's even older but you're still trying to apply in particular you're trying to apply Paul's ideas you know it gets a little tricky and it gets a little difficult in how you work those things out in relationship and what that means unless you make it very gospel centric but even then applying gospel centric things to marriages um not an easy thing either. So yeah. all, that's all the philosophy. Yeah. So all everybody listening is like, what the who heck cares? Yeah. Who cares? Which is Eric? like how they feel at church. So yeah, we got Eric's talking. They're like, who cares about all this? So we got to take it another. We got Well, here's the thing. Like, what when you sit down with people in general? Mm-hmm. What's the biggest question that they come to you when they're struggling in their marriage? Like, what kind of? If you could boil it down, what's wrong problem? with them? What's wrong with this person? Really? What's wrong? No, with them? I'm I'm just wrong with my spouse. <laughs> If you could just fix my spouse, it would be fine. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> that may be the underlying. <laughs> um, I mean, it varies. I mean, honestly, I've been talking to a lot more people before marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. you know, before marriage, I think people are just like, you know, there's, there's so many different versions. I mean, some people are just like, what do I do? You know, it's like, that's the big question. It's like, what do I do? And then usually before marriage, you're starting to discover the things about this person that concern you. Like, what about that? Like, right. what do I, is this ever going to change? What do I, what do we do when he or she does this thing that bothers me? Um, do we have the same goals? You know, and often not quite. I'm like wrestling with what to do with that. Um, 
And then I think, yeah, like, you know, post, post-marriage, post it seems like, yeah, just like, okay, these things keep coming up. What, you know. Sure. There are good things that we see all the time, but these certain things keep coming up. What do we do? Right. So reoccurring problems that seem to uh, aggravate the marriage or create yeah. conflict. Or distance. Or distance or feeling alone. Yeah. Feeling not seen. All that. All those good things, yeah. Yeah. Or nervous. Or nervous. Yeah. 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 Um, how about you? You've been you've been doing this longer than me. Yeah, I have been doing it a long time. Um, yeah. And yes, those are all things that I think I run into. I think a lot of times marriages ended up at, it's you know, marriage or pre marriage. It's like there's a, a period of excitement. And yeah. then there's a period then all of a sudden like real life sets in. Some people don't have that same period of excitement, though. Some yeah. do, some don't. Yeah, it, it, it varies. It's, yeah. Sometimes varies. it's like a week. Yeah. Like the honeymoon, yeah. and then it's over. Or, or the met, honeymoon was We really met, hard. we kissed, it was exciting. Date yeah. number two, not so good. But we're going to stick this out. <laughs> but we're going to stick this out. And get married. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. That one, yeah. Yeah. You know, for me, like, the real thing is, and I think maybe we talked about this last week, but... In the kingdom of God, and, and Tim Keller says this, and I love this about what he says, is that, you know, it's, it's Christ gave his life for me. Yeah. So Christ's life for me, my life for, for you. Yeah. Or Christ gave his life for us, our lives for each other. Yeah. And it's, you know, that is probably one of his better, like, summarizations of the gospel because it's very applicable into marriage. Yeah. The only way you have a successful marriage is saying, I'm okay in Christ. Yeah. You though I get to benefit from the things that you offer me in Christ are not the thing that's going to fill me up. You're not the God. Right. And, and there must be a, two people that are that are deeply loved can love one another, right? Yeah. Um, and that love, especially when things get darker, harder, complicated, there has to be a love coming from outside of the two people. And, you know, I mean... Before Tim Keller, like Dr. Crabb, yep. really addressed this in a more practical and kind of he wrote a book, you know, The Marriage Bill is yep. built kind of on that principle, Christ's mm-hmm. life for us, our lives for one another. Moving from manipulation to ministry. Yes, very good. Yeah. <laughs> you got it down. Um, <clears throat> but I think the hard thing is the practical applications of that. Yeah, I can believe that all day. Yeah. And then you get into this, into the moment, and actually choosing or being able to see in right. the middle of this what's right. going on that's the hard part right I read so Sue and I when we first got married we read a book called Severe Mercy uh-huh. I don't know if you've ever heard of that book I've by Van Auken um, in the middle of Severe Mercy is letters from C.S. Lewis because he led this couple to Christ oh okay through a series of letters yeah and the idea of the Severe Mercy is that the two of them were actually each other's gods yeah and the woman gets cancer at the end and that's a severe mercy like in the sense that she begins to fall in love with Jesus more than him he's still yeah. in love with like she's still his God the cancer takes her and mm. and he doesn't and his he, God is gone and he yeah. must seek her God yeah mm. so it's severe mercy but what what was cool about kind of their God thing that Sue and I took that was really helpful was they had this idea that in order for a marriage to work 
I personally had to make like so. For instance, if you if my wife were to be a piano player, yeah, and a classical piano player, I would have to make classical music and I, the composition more important to me than it even is to her, hmm. so that I could enter in with her and converse with her. And it wasn't her just giving me information, but that we created a unique relationship yeah. through that. But that's her thing. It, what it does is it's a very self-sacrificing. That's, you know, one example of that in our marriage, it was really cool, and my wife did it completely by surprise to me, is she went and bought football for dummies, because I had basically given <laughs> up watching football yeah. for her. Because yeah. I'm like, this is a, it's a block to our relationship, it takes out a huge amount of time. So she got the book without me knowing it and read it, and then said, hey, let's watch some football. And she knew about enough about it and could ask questions about it, because she'd read this book. Yeah. You know? And that was, I felt really loved, like mm. almost like I didn't need to watch football anymore. You know, <laughs> this person entered in in such a deep way that wasn't her thing. She could care less right. about football. Right. Um, and so that was a real powerful experience. But when I sit down with people and begin to talk about that, they're just, it's, it's a hard thing because it's, yeah. you get the sense of like, well, but that means I got to give up something. Right. Hmm. And it challenges the fact that do you really love this person? Is this somebody you're really willing to lay your life down for? And to begin to process why you wouldn't do that, what the blocks are to that. That's what I'm doing right now, man. I'm awesome. thinking about that. I'm like, I don't know much about nursing. I know more than I used to. Right. Um, well, and Rock is a good example. He used to read the nursing magazines yeah. in order to talk to his wife about nursing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. It's been transformative in our marriage. Yeah. I would say it's one of the more transformative things. Yeah. yeah that's, that is challenging because I'm like, yeah, that would be, it would cost something. A, it's like, it's a realm of, it almost, that almost feels to me like I'd have to, I need to go back to school because there's just so much I don't get of what right. she does. And I appreciate what what is what my wife does I mean there's music and for her music and nursing and it's like I appreciate those things but they're so I just don't like it's like my brain doesn't wrap around I don't have a musical sensitive like I don't I appreciate it I'm, I love it I would happily like when we were dating she was in a choir and I would go to every performance and I would even go to the practices um but just but could I could I say that I could converse well about it and deeply understand it? Not necessarily. Yeah, it's hard. But that's but it, yeah, that's what you're saying. Yeah, no, it is hard. Yeah, it's it's taking it. You know, it's saying I will lay down my life for you in yeah. this area. But uh, what area of marriage do you just stink at? Well, I'm good at everything. I know you are. <laughs> You keep well, pushing the mic closer to you. Uh, yeah. What area are you better in, <laughs> or worse at? Ah, uh, gosh, you know, because because uh, as pastors, we can sit here and advise all the things we know. What do we not know? like? What are we? What am I bad at? What in are we bad at? Well, in general, I would say almost everything. Well, yeah, but I mean, particularly that, like particularly, like what? Bad. Yeah, what stands out like a sore thumb? Well, it, it's interesting because I think in a lot of areas it is what you're good at that I'm actually really bad at because mm-hmm. it's 
choosing to do those things when you, you I kind of know there's a, I know what I'm supposed to do or how I yeah. should step in right but I think that it, it's a more human thing instead of categorizing it as well I'm I'm really good at coming home and doing the dishes but bad at making our bed you know it's more like there's definitely a lot of areas where I just don't choose to step in yeah yeah and and, and I, I I'm distant or I don't yeah. actually engage right relationally because it's awkward or I feel tired or I'm frustrated with the kids or you know a lot of times I think I say things I just I shouldn't say yeah you know and I'm not thinking about it so I hurt my wife passwords no I just say hurtful things (laughs) you know to my wife where I'm like you know things that aren't thoughtful and that are not thoughtful yeah that's a good one I mean just and I think too the longer you're married the more comfortability you end up with and then you can kind of get away with saying things you shouldn't say or, right. or being you know resting on some great thing you have done and be like well you know it's really good there so yeah. it's like I can you know yeah I think treating my wife with as much care and gentleness as I'm called to in Ephesians mm-hmm. is where I'm weak yeah you know yeah. I think that's probably my weakness. How about you? <laughs> um, yeah, I, it's it's funny because I feel this way as a husband and as a pastor, I would say, and which is very interesting to me. But like the the thing that the thing that I like that like makes me want to run away from things is when there's an expectation on me no stop pushing that thing (laughs) Uh, when there when there's when I'm expected to carry the burden or have the answer um and it's and oddly like I feel like God's just just gone like okay Andy like you're terrified of that and I'm gonna ask you to do that in every realm of your life Mm -hmm. and so that you can you know so that the if you do it well ever, it'll be evident it's not of you. Um, or something along those lines. Sure. But um, but the way that, like, like giving spiritual leadership, um, it scares me. It, like, it really, like, feels like a, it feels like a weight. It feels like mm. a burden. It doesn't... And so... But everything in me wants to be spiritually engaged and giving that. But um, but I struggle to actually like practically enter in and and do it. Does um, it feel very vulnerable? Um, it feels it feels like a demand that I have to do that doesn't get to be love. It feels like a chore. Hmm. Like a, like a, yeah. It feels like, it feels like I'm being manipulated, whether I am or not. Um, and I can, I can dig in my story pretty easy and sure, and identify why I, why I feel that way. Because uh, you know, for m- many points in my life, like leading something was not 
by choice or by calling of God, but by it was a burden wrongly placed upon me. So now when I'm in a situation where that is like should be my joy and is my calling, that old feeling comes back and terrifies me. So, so you feel like God puts a burden on you to do those things? No. Do you feel like other people? Yes. Yeah. And then I do like intellectually go, well, God, you know, I, I do, but it doesn't feel the way it experientially feels is like it experientially feels like everybody wants me to answer their questions and lead and guide. Um, but I will be left on my own, ah, which is the, ah, there you go. Okay, yeah. so, so nobody's going to actually help you. Nobody's going to, going to come through for me. So then when I read those things that I intellectually agree with a hundred percent about manipulation to ministry, you know, where it's like, you must be filled up by, by Christ, um, and be tethered, you know, as when you like Larry sure. Crabb's imagery of like, there's a cliff and mm-hmm. you really could fall. And, right. but if you're tethered to Christ, you won't, you won't hit the bottom, you won't hit the bottom, but you got to take a leap. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I, I look at that graph. Yep. Agreed. Absolutely. I share it with other people. Um, but I do in this, in that area, I struggle to believe that if I empty myself, um, I won't bottom out. And, um, and that, um, so ultimately, you believe that God isn't actually enough for you if you're left alone in all of this. Yeah. 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 And that I'll be taken advantage of. Like, by, by God. By people. And, uh, you know, it'd right, be like, God, and God wouldn't intervene to right, change God's that. God's not enough right. even for being taken advantage of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So, you know, so I got married and had a kid and became a pastor of a church. It all makes total sense. <laughs> yeah, sure it does. No, it doesn't. It's yeah. it's goofy, but it, but it's you know, but I I don't know my. What I always come back to, I was even talking with a buddy this morning about it was, like you know, marriage and and the Christian community is not where we go to, you know, do what feels right and feels good, and it's it's where we, I mean, we're called to come and die and lay down our lives and and then where we learn that Christ is the all-sufficient thing. Right. So, And I've always, fortunately, I don't know, my parents' marriage and other... I, I didn't. I never was maybe under the myth that um, marriage is, was just going to be like a of walk course. in the park. Right. So I always figured it was going to demand a lot and that that would be good. I think the one thing that I have discovered, and it's not just in marriage, but in counseling and meeting with people and doing all of that kind of stuff, is that when you get to the place where you're, you have come, you understand what God's, how you, what you believe about God and other people and that whole structure of things, that that isn't true. No, right. that's true. Like, because God is enough. Yeah. People, all the people aren't always asking you to no, do. Of course you know, not. Right. No, it's, um, and, it's kind of that's a very selfish thought. Right, I think but, I think that everybody just wants sure. stuff from me. They're not thinking about me, right? Yeah, As, yeah. But the thing is that I have found that even though we've all been Christians for a long time, we actually aren't that conversant. That's a big word, I suppose. But conversant in the gospel, no. in the sense, and people think about as much like, oh yeah, okay, so Jesus died for my sins and he rose from the dead and. 
but there's there's something about being so immersed in the stories of Jesus, like being the person who's sitting there watching the children being pushed away, and then Jesus saying, "No, no, 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 nobody inhibits this. Like children come to me freely." Like yeah. and being able to sit in that for and like experience it, like and have it as a meditation, so that these things are so clear in your head as you face those lonely moments, um, and knowing how to like uh, to really bring those forward. I, I've been reading a book by I don't, know, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, some Orthodox mystic from the mid '50s who was trained by the ancient ones in the 1800s. So Bob Smith. Bob Smith. Yeah, yeah. Or the it's a hard guy. name to pronounce. But he has these he has these letters about to his this guy's asking him questions about prayer. Uh-huh. And he talks about you know the Orthodox prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. Right. I love yeah. that prayer. But you repeat it over and over again, and as an early oblate, you repeat it out loud all the time. Yeah. And then you practice repeating it in your head. So that when you begin, like, so we're having this meeting, and every time you pause, there's this idea that that prayer enters my head, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I've been thinking about it, and that's nice, you can repeat that, I love that prayer, it's, it's comforting to me, I think about it a lot, but I think that's where the stories of the gospel have to be. Mm-hmm. Like, it's interesting to me that we don't, we talk about following Jesus, we, some, we go through the gospels and preach on them, yeah. but we don't really talk in our, as followers of Jesus much about those stories and reminisce about them and think about their impact and the way they've actually shaped who we are. Yeah. I think that would be transformative in marriage. That's the conversation you're having at times. Um, or that's the way that you're developing your children to really be able to think through those things. More yeah. importantly than the principles of, you know, you know, honor your mom and dad and don't murder and don't steal and hear, you know. Right. Of just being have to be exposed to Jesus, yeah, it changes marriage, yeah, big time. It helps us understand how to offer out of something. Yeah. The other thing is, there's no way Jesus did what he did without the Holy Spirit. Evident, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's all over the New Testament. It is. The Holy Spirit was acting. He was acting yeah. with the Spirit of God. Yeah. And we have that opportunity too. I think we forget that as evangelicals. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I think we don't really, we're not as tuned into that. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Anyway, I could go on and on about these things, but. <laughs> <laughs> and you're shaking your head, uh huh? Yeah. I, yep. I, I know you could. No. Yeah. <laughs> <It's good. laughs> um, yeah. So, I, you know, I had a conversation the other night with somebody who is single, who. I, I can imagine would be asking so this all sounds like it applies to me too why so this is marriage but you're talking about all this stuff you know why did, why is uh, why is this all so often cast for married people when it's all just as true for single people and how do we fit yeah well we did a whole sermon series yeah. through the marriage builder yeah I built the sermon series on it which we don't usually do because we're a lot like you we go through books of the bible yeah um, and we really structured that as this is about relationships. Marriage happens to be one of one the of relationships them. Yeah. we have. Yep. But the principles still apply. I think being single, it's, there's a deep loneliness because you are created for somebody else. But then singleness at the same time is a gift. 
right. to the church. Not to be used, but to actually challenge people to understand what's primary. Because what happens is, when you're single, you have the opportunity to pour it all into Jesus. Yeah. When you get married, you forget that you should be pouring it all into Jesus. Right. Yeah, it's like, does that really change with a married person? No. But it... But it does. But it but it does. Like, by by nature, it's like, that's still the calling, but you're... You know, Paul, Paul says your interests are divided. Yes. Um, I think his whole, like, the single person is called to look at the married people and say, you have made idols out of your children and one another, and you need to come back. Yeah. And there are prophets in that area. Yeah. If they choose to live that out. Right. Right. And then, um, and how do you see, you know, so we're talking about the struggles in marriage. How do you see with singles, how does the, instead of being that prophet, what, what, do singles often do that's the parallel to us you know flubbing our marriages yeah I think I mean you you have a lot of experience in this and I used to we have well we have a good chunk of single people you have a lot of single people we trying do. to figure out well yeah you know I mean you started yeah. with more single people anyway it, people like loneliness is is acute when you're single yeah you have to go home and there's no one in bed sometimes you have a dog you have a frustrating roommate who doesn't fulfill anything for you. Yeah, just gets in the way. Right. Or, you know, sometimes they're comforting, but they're not the same as a spouse. Yeah. So it's lonely. I mean, I think... And when you're lonely, there's a whole plethora of things you shouldn't be doing, or things to focus on, or ways to numb out. Right. That are right at your fingertips. Right. And um, there's nobody... Nobody has enough, like, say in your life to right. challenge it. Right. Or could... Maybe... Unless you really are disciplined at inviting that in. Right. Yeah. I think over the year, I mean, I think the church has failed single people. Yeah. I mean, that's why you see so many young churches kind of springing up with it where it's just 20 to 30-year-olds, and that's it. The single people are just migrating. Yeah, because they're lonely. And nobody's, I mean, they just get moved from group to group. Yeah. And they're ostracized from their married friends, and it, it's, it's not a healthy environment. Don't you think, like, singles ministry is just one of the... I'm, I'm about to say... Well, I'll just say hey, it, look, and then I'll... I stupid on air. Yeah. I say stupid. It's stupid. I was just going to say, one of the stupidest things we do, because it's like, let's take all the single people, and they can't understand what we married people are talking about, or whatever, you know? And let's, so let's put them over here together... Um, in a dating hotbed of some form, and maybe that would be a great way to minister to each other. Because right. and they don't have anything to offer to us because they don't get it. Right. I mean, nobody's saying that, but isn't no. that the like implicit message? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think the hard thing is when you're here's a disadvantage of the small church. Yeah. Is that if you're a single woman and you come and start coming to a small church, the pool of men that are available to you and vice versa. <laughs> It's small, right? Right, and maybe not non-existent. Even like in a church like ours of you know 80, 90 people, you're not going to have a big pool. And so there is. We failed in that way too because most churches are small. So we haven't created a big enough pool. Well, no, and that we haven't connected our communities well uh, enough. The- that small churches aren't connected enough that, that we can, people can meet across these Yeah, and that, and that we can facilitate that as, as leaders, you know, as we... Matchmaking. I'm actually all for matchmaking. Yeah. 
may not be the best thing, but I mean, or you go off to, you know, Cassis, or you go off to any number of the bigger churches in our community, and you find a bigger pool, and you get married, and then you either stay there, or you decide, well, this isn't really working out, and you go to one of the small churches, but you got to go out fishing before you, you know, and that's hard. Yeah. That's not, somebody's not fair to right. them, you know, I don't know, it's, it's a hard space to be in. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, and then there's this weird thing that happens in the smaller church where it's like, even if you are like, oh, that's a pretty nice person, like, well, but then if I date them, my whole church experience gets screwed up if it doesn't work. Right. Right? Yeah. That's all really hard. That's all, and that happens. It does I mean, happen. We've, we've watched that, right? And, yeah. Um, and that's complicated. But then it's like, but then again, if it worked, it'd be a beautiful thing, too. Right. It could be, or, Yeah. What about those people that don't want, they don't feel incomplete? Well, I mean, Paul talks about them as having the gift of singleness. Right. And it's better not to be married. You're not, your idea, you know, your things right. aren't divided. You can go be in ministry. Right. And we need to empower those people. And there's still people who feel lonely. All people feel lonely. Yes. Yeah, nobody and, doesn't care about relationships. But, right. But I, maybe there's an intensity, a difference of it. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, we already live in a culture where younger people are getting married at, you know, older and older. Yeah. Like, because we're moving into careers and college, and you get all that finished before you make the decision to get married. Now, wouldn't you say that's true of, I think that's true of the affluent culture, but then, because the gap between the haves and have-nots is widening, and 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 you see a ton of people, whether, even if they're not getting married... But they're getting married. Yeah, they're, they're cohabitating. They're cohabitating at extremely young ages. Yes. And having families at extremely young ages outside of that affluent yes. sector. Yes, I agree with you. And so that's interesting that, like, part of the culture is, you know, in technicality doing what married people do quite young. Yes. And then the affluent portion that actually has the means to raise a family and stuff like that is going the opposite direction. Yeah, interesting. It is. Yeah. And it's and I would I wonder, you know, if those affluent folks are they're looking for finding some version of fulfillment elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And the the folks with uh, who are having the like this and I know I've seen this in like teenage relationships and you know, people wanting a kid at age 14, 15 is right. like just wanting to find that love that would come from having a child or a boyfriend or a girlfriend and so often that fails them of course yeah well and I mean I think even when you think about marriages in our churches like one of the things that's difficult is that a lot of people come from broken families yeah. so they don't have models for what it's supposed to look like right there's a fear even to have children because they experience divorce. They don't, want to, they, they don't want to do what their dad did yeah, to them or whatever. Yeah, there's a lot of... And and we, as a culture, don't know how to be in relationship with each other anymore. Yeah. So then when you get married, it's harder to be in relationship. It's just shocking. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Um... So for the person who's wondering, like, what does it mean to fall in love with somebody? <laughs> I don't know. You fell in love with somebody. 
how would you what, would, what definition would you I know that's a horrible term but if you were to say like someone were to say like what should I be looking for in the way I feel towards somebody to know whether I should pursue marriage with them <laughs> what, what would you say well I don't know I mean I think a couple things one they need to love Jesus yeah. that, because that's easy to that's the thing you're going to fall in love with for the rest of your life and define loving Jesus, because I've been in relationships in the past where I thought somebody loved Jesus, and it turned out they did not. Because I thought loving Jesus meant, like, raising their hands when they sung or thinking church was super cool. Right. Well, I think, one, if the person that you marry should be someone who has their own relationship with God that's very evident. Yeah. They spend time in prayer they spend time with God and they speak deeply into your life about God like right. when you're struggling they point to God not to solving your problem yeah that's the person you need to fall in love with yes good so and then like in 1st John would say if you love me you keep my commandments yes. and one of those commandments is, has to do with loving others and ministering to them so yeah you should be looking for is this yeah is this person bringing me to God yes and um yeah. And so I think that so a lot be. of the things that I think I've just noticed we define as like, what is a spiritual person falls so short of that. Yeah. That will solve a lot of problems because you can be like, well, I'm into this and they're not into this. Well, if they're into Jesus, yeah, they'll get into whatever you're into. You won't care right. about what you're into. Or you'll, you'll figure that out. You will figure yeah. it out because you'll both make choices to create a new life that involves each other's right. things that you enjoy. Um, if you love Jesus that deeply. And frankly, like, I think, yes, you do want to be physically attracted to the person that you're going to marry, but I don't put that in the top five things that you should. And don't you think, like, I've I've noticed two things happen. One, the very physically attractive person, when the, when the relationship goes south, isn't, you're not, the attraction doesn't hold. It, it can't hold. It can't. It doesn't. It's It's almost like it didn't ever exist. No. But the person that you were like, well, this wasn't my 10 out of 10. This wasn't my uh, swimsuit model cover woman for a man. Or this wasn't my, you know, uh, you know notebook uh, Ryan Gosling guy yeah. for woman for the woman. Like, But that person, as you know them and you choose to love them and you see them moving toward you, the attraction level, it, it become, it's a thing that happens. Right. It's a byproduct of loving someone versus a precursor. Right. Is that? Yes. I've seen that. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that like, like physical attraction and physical arousal right. can happen between any two people. Oh, gosh. So right. that's not the issue. No. No. Arranged but, marriages actually work and people actually are attracted to each other and love each other. And they produce children. And they produce children. Yes. So this is not the issue. No. And I think we've made it too much of the issue. Yeah. Um, and so you miss great people. You do. And our culture has said that there's only one kind of beauty, so our brains are, are, are chem- chemically changed, yeah. and we have to fight against that in our volition. And our brain will change as we say, no, no, beauty is broadened. Physical beauty is broadened. I mean, the physical shape is created by God. All physical shapes, even ones that are out of shape or not in shape. Like they, Some great. of them, there's more shape. There's more shape than less, <laughs> whatever. More to love. More to love. But but these are God's image bearers, right? Yeah. And and if He thinks they're valuable, we well, should be 
engaged that way. Well, and for that matter, if you happen to come across somebody who does qualify as your, like, wow, you're very attractive, um, gosh, it has to be more than that because nobody wants to be that one-dimensional. And, like, I mean, that was something that crossed my mind with with my wife because she's actually, she's very beautiful. Not not just in my opinion. I'm aware that other people in the world think the same thing. Okay, But something that crossed my mind during our dating relationship was like I would always hear even from other women they would be like she's so pretty and I would just think like that's sad that that's like the thing you have to say about her right <laughs> and and interestingly that was part of why I was like wanted to go for it. like like ask her out was like like that's not all I'm interested in here in fact right. like I'm not I'm kind of curious about who she is you know and um, and I just was like, I bet if even like the women in her life, that's the one thing they bring up, you know, first. Like, wow. Stinks. Yeah. So it, you know, so even with, so that's not to say like, don't, don't go after somebody you think is pretty. Right. But, but that, that can't be, that can't be all there is to it. And then just as you're saying though, like that attractive nature of someone comes out as you love them. So, so don't write somebody off cause right. you don't, you're not like floored the, the second you see them. Well, well, I think the other thing we've done in the church and this I think is super da- damaging is that we, you know, we're, we're against pornography. Yes. I believe that's good. We're, we're against like masturbation. We'll say it on the Man, gets those two things, you're going right? to have to put an explicit note right. on this podcast. And so we have that. And so we're saying no women in our church, we can't experience them sensually as men. Right. We can't experience them sensually and vice versa, actually. You can't find other men who are strong and beautiful right. that way because they're not a husband, so they're not a wives, or they're not right. people that I'm in relationship with. But that's wrong. Like yeah. Part of what a woman I think, brings... And I a man think we're brings, just lying when we say that's not... Yeah. Like, like I... I you know, yeah, this is like, do you think any other woman is pretty? Like, I've been asked this by my wife, and I have to say, like, yes, I do. Like, that doesn't mean I'm, like, chasing them all over the city or, like, like I want them. But I'm not, I can, sure, like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and you can appreciate that. And, and this is a tricky thing to talk about because it is. you can experience their beauty Enjoy it, but you're not taking it because you're like, God, thank you for how right. wonderfully you've made this woman or man, and I, I enjoy them as my brother and sister, and I'm moving on. I'm not going right. to consume them. Right, right. But I can rest in that beauty because it's a, it's a beautiful expression of the glory of God. Right. And, and I can enjoy it without consuming it. Right. It doesn't have to be mine. No, it's right. And I, I, uh, it was a cheesy saying of an old pastor of mine, but I, but I've never forgot it, which is, Helpful, why but it's why it's so helpful. <laughs> but we were actually driving somewhere, and we were stopped, and a and a woman walked in front of the car, and she was she was beautiful. It was just evident to the world, I think, you know. And uh, and he he goes, he looks over at me, he says, "Well, now that would be a beautiful dwelling place for the Holy Spirit." When she say, <laughs> "That's so cheesy." That is really cheesy. <laughs> But it was funny, and it was the the thing was like we acknowledged like sure we noticed her beauty, but like but in a in an interesting way he kind of he brought it back to like she belongs to God like she, God made her, and so it it didn't encourage lust, right? It encouraged 
it, it did it, it diffused the situation where we were able to acknowledge like wow she's really pretty right. um, and uh, but not consume her in our mind and we didn't and, and it was a good thing that's a, the important thing is we talk about lust a lot and lust makes no sense does that make any sense to me when I was a kid I get what they're talking about but consumption yeah that makes sense yeah but like it is not okay for a woman in my communities to right. consume my strength right it's yeah. okay for them to enjoy it and know that it will provide them with right. safety but to consume it to own it and to pursue it that's wrong well, and, and when you're casting it that way, which I think is very good, it's not just like boys who look at girls are the lust problem in the right. church. It's right. like there's a lot more that's being consumed, you know, in right. that in that regard. Yeah. And we have to be really careful how we consume, but we also, like, Song of Solomon is in the middle of the Old Testament, and yes, it is a nice picture of God and, and Israel, but it's also this hyper-sexual, oh, yeah. sensual book right. that... God's saying sensuality of male and female is important. It's something we have to all nurture. It's something we have to protect as a community. And, and it's okay to actually understand it and talk about it. And yeah. it's not just anathema. You don't yeah. just, yeah. And I think we'd be in a different place and we'd be much more enticing to the world if they saw that, wow, these people are sensual and they're, they're it would give us a power that we do not have. Yeah. Because we've tried to like contain it, we got to control it. Because if it gets out of control, it's going to be bad. Right. So we need to make the rules and have the rules and train the kids in the rules. And grace just doesn't work that way. Yeah, yeah, no, it doesn't. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, you're right. So I don't know. This I could talk about forever. Yeah, no, it's it's great. It's interesting, but, but it's been forty eight minutes. Yeah, it's that's time a to long close. Podcast. So thanks for joining us, and uh, we hope you can hear us all, over all the chit chat. And um, we've got some thoughts for next week. I'm not going to say because I'm not going. I'm not sure what yeah, it's how it's going to pan out, but but we're excited about whatever it is. Um, and yeah, all right. Talk to you later.